Hello there, my name is Danny Yeoman, wild bird expert for Pets Corner and developer of Peter and Paul Bird Foods. Welcome to next of a number of podcasts detailing some of the amazing birds that we see and feed in our garden. Every week we'll be looking at a different bird and this week we'll be looking at the spectacular northern wheat ear. A call that chatters around the hillside like the sound of falling stones is the usual accompaniment to the walk in the wild and windswept parts of the UK. The sound comes from one of the smartest and most charismatic songbirds, the wheat ear. It pops up straight as a soldier on parade to scold you from a litching covered boulder or fence post. Every movement they make is well thought out. Wheat ears don't fidget or fuss like a dunnock or a warbler. The wheat ear we have in the UK is officially known as the northern wheat ear to distinguish it from the many other species in its family and is the only wheat ear to breed in the temperate zones of northern Europe. The others are mainly found in rocky deserts of North Africa and the Middle East. With its black mask, white belly, grey back and apricot chest, the male wheat ear is a supremely handsome bird. What you would probably spot first though is the white rump, which shines like a beacon as it flits away from the long path and is especially visible on dull, misty days on moors and mountains. It is its rump that gives the wheat ear its name, which has nothing to do with cereal crops, but it's a polite version of the Anglo-Saxon meaning white arse. Female and young wheat ears also have a white rump, but are paler and sandier in colour. The scientific name, or nanthi, is from the ancient Greek queen's wine flower, alluding to the fact that these birds return to Greece in the spring, just as vineyards blossom. Wheat ears are early arrivals in Britain, returning from Africa in March, often when their favourite grassy slopes are still streaked with winter snows. They raise one or two broods in crevices between boulders or old rabbit burrows and then from early August begin their long journey back south. Fortunately they don't seem to be in much of a hurry and are often stop off to feed along the way, turning up in ploughed fields, heaths and commons and on sports pitches. They've even been seen at the Lord's Cricket Ground while play was in progress, the only time I've ever been interested in cricket. The sheer scale of the voyage undertaken by these fly-by-night migrants, which flirt briefly with us before moving on, is epic. Some of the birds you see in late summer to autumn on your local common or playing field have travelled from as far afield as Greenland or even Arctic Canada. With practice you can pick these larger, bulkier birds, which have travelled more than 11,000 kilometres en route to Africa the longest regular journey made by any of the world's songbirds. While there have been many birds in many locations that I see while out bird watching that I love, the wheat ear is one that excites me the most. I've watched the same pair returning annually to a specific place and nest site near the coast of Kent for years now. To sit quietly and wait for their arrival, praying hard that they will, and then find out not only have they both survived their long journey from southern Africa, but bred successfully here and raised young, who in turn may call the Kent Coast home, is one of the most special wildlife experiences I have ever had. The male wheat here is blue-grey and black wings and white below, 
and an orange flush to the breast, and he also sports a black eye mask. The female lacks the blue and black colouring, but makes up for it in the wonderful tones of sandy brown that always remind me of them wintering in Africa and the incredible solo journeys they make to breed here. If seen well, the wheat ear can be distinguished by its characteristic tail pattern, a black tee on a white rump, seen when in flight. The clear wechat-chat call is often heard in upland areas where the bird is usually found. Wheat ears nest in holes. Favourite sites being rabbit burrows, holes in walls and underneath piles of rubble with the nest entrance normally chosen to be sheltered from the prevailing wind. The male bird stands guard whilst its mate builds the bulky foundations of roots, thin twigs and grasses, lining the nest with feathers. The nest is a long way down a tunnel, typically about half a metre from the entrance, but is usually not at the end of the burrow. The female usually leaves space behind the nest in which she, and later on her well-grown chicks, can hide if the nest is threatened by a predator. Five or six eggs are normally laid around the first week of May, with about half of wheat ear pairs having a second clutch in mid-June. Despite their slow start to the season, once they start breeding they proceed with haste and the females having second attempts start building and laying in a new nest almost as soon as the first brood chicks fledge. This is probably because in common with most species they time their breeding to coincide with peak availability of food for the chicks. Young birds get most of their energy from grasshoppers, bees, caterpillars and large flies, with smaller prey including spiders and ants being fed to them in the first few days of life. The wheat ear feeds mainly on insects such as beetles, flies and other invertebrates, including snails, slugs and spiders. The bird pounds a large insect like a grasshopper against the ground to break off inedible legs and wings. In autumn, when food becomes scarce, the wheat ears supplement their diets with berries. The bird uses two hunting strategies to locate and capture prey. Commonly, it perches on a low rock or bush, watching for any movement on the ground, then darts down, sometimes hovering above its quarry before pouncing. The second method involves hopping over open ground, pausing and watching for prey, if nothing stirs, the bird repeats the process until successful. Because wheat ears frequent open, rocky country, pasture, moorland and heath, I cannot pretend that they are a garden bird. The best you can ask for is to see one flying over your garden on a migratory route, and maybe, if you're very, very lucky, they may drop down into your garden for a little rest. If this does happen, they may be tempted to eat a little Peter and Paul in full song. And because the wheat ear is mainly a ground-dwelling bird, directly on the ground or on a ground feeder tray would be best for them.
We've all got a garden bird favourite, haven't we? And for a lot of people, that bird would be the robin. You might even buy live or dried mealworm as a treat for your special robin friend. It's a lovely thing to do, and I'd never discourage it. But robins are omnivores. They do have an insect portion to their diet, but they also require fruit and seeds as part of a balanced diet. So if you want to keep your robin fit and healthy, you should be making sure you have feeding the robin everything it needs. And that'd be Peter and Paul in full song. And if you do feed Peter and Paul in full song, you won't be just helping your robin, but a whole host of other wonderful songbirds in your garden. Blackbird, song thrush, dunnock, and maybe, just maybe, a wheat ear, to name but a few. This mix can be fed all year round from a bird table or from the ground, and is packed full of succulent fruit, dried mealworm, pinhead oatmeal, peanut granules, and of course the plumpest sunflower hearts. You might well think it's a blend of fruit and nut muesli for birds, and indeed it comes very, very close. Like all Peter and Paul seed mixes, In Full Song has added Nutravio, a natural seed coating which is not only a fantastic energy source, but it also inhibits bacterial growth, so it can help prevent birds picking up common bugs like Salmonella and E. coli. It has also been created to provide your garden birds with a more complete style of meal, and that could be the difference between your birds just surviving in your garden and thriving. Just getting back to wheat ears, the wheat ear undertakes some of the most extraordinary journeys of migratory songbirds. Overwintering sub-Saharan Africa, wheat ears travel hundreds of thousands of kilometres to reach their summer breeding ground. The birds spend the winter in the dry Sahel zone in Africa, where they must find enough food to survive until spring migration. Some wheat ears travel to Alaska from East Africa via Asia, a one-way voyage of 10,000 kilometres. The Greenland race, which is larger with longer winds than the northern race, and may be seen resting and refuelling in the UK in the spring and autumn, flies from West Africa to Greenland and Canada across the northern Atlantic via Europe, a truly astonishing journey. Widespread and abundant, there is no known major threat to the northern wheat ear. However, the global population is in a moderate decline, and in the UK there has been a notable decline between the 1990s and now. Habitat loss due to agriculture and urbanisation are thought to be the main agents of this decline while habitat degradation from a reduction of sheep farming, which has kept earth short and ideal for the northern wheat ear, also negatively affecting this species. All the more reason to feed them right in our garden. Whether you live in the town or country, you can help look after wheat ears and other garden birds by providing a wildlife-friendly garden that includes water and having the very, very best foods available for them. Foods like Peter and Paul. For more information regarding Peter and Paul Wild Bird Foods, please check out the Peter and Paul website at www.peter-and-paul.com or pop into one of our wonderful Pets Corner stores. And the nearest store to you can be found at the Pets Corner website at www.petscorner.co.uk. Well, that's it from me. I hope you've enjoyed this look at Wheat Ears. For further birds, please continue to check out the stream. 
and I look forward to speaking to you soon.